seated. I want to start by saying, Miss Amy, it's good to see you back up here. It's been a long struggle for you. And if you haven't been, continue to pray for our sister. Still got some difficult days ahead. Just this struggle with vertigo. It was good to see you. Guys, that's sacrifice. Our sister doesn't feel well to come up here and serve the Lord uh, through, through music, through her voice. And then Pastor Jim, I wanted to, I need to talk to you at some point. I've been thinking about with Callie going on the mission field of when you say you jump up and down on the inside, I've been feeling that. We were able to see her last night for the commissioning service, and she flies out Tuesday uh, to Zambia. And one of the things she'll be doing is a part of rescue units where they minister to orphans. Pretty awesome. Uh, so I got to grab some time with you and just talk about being a dad of a daughter that's on the mission field, because I know you have experienced that. But let's turn to God's Word, Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Mark chapter 7, 31 through 37. The message today is entitled, The Goodness and the Compassion of Jesus. Thought about that title, I believe I have used that before. Because as you walk through the Gospel of Mark, this Gospel of our suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, over and over, we see the goodness and the compassion of Jesus. You know, there's a modern day praise song that says this about Jesus, that you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Those words are true, but really inadequate. Because we could also say that Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's our Savior. He's our Rescuer. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Anointed One. And yet, Pastor Jim, those words would also be inadequate because there's more and more and more and more and more that could be said about Jesus Christ this morning. I could spend the rest of this day talking about Jesus and it would still be inadequate. If you remember, Mark 1, 1 says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, the gospel, the good news, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning underneath the sound of my voice and you have been saved, you've been rescued from your sin, you've repented and you've looked to Christ, you've placed your faith in Him, you've experienced His grace and His mercy, you have experienced the power of the gospel. It's good news. Jesus is mighty to save. So as we continue to journey through the gospel of Mark, we've seen His power over sickness, His power over nature, His power over demons, his power over death. Ultimately, Jesus has all power and authority. 
And I want you to hear me say this morning that Jesus, he is sovereign. He has all power, but he is also good. He's compassionate, he's kind, and he's loving. My prayer today is that we would get a small glimpse this morning of the goodness and the compassion of Jesus. And may we be transformed by his word. Amen. So let's read it. Let's go to Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray together. God, we very humbly bow our hearts and our heads before you. As I've already expressed this morning, you are the Lord God Almighty. Jesus, you are the Son of God. And we think about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that we have your word this morning, God. And anything that we understand is because the Holy Spirit illuminates, gives us the understanding. And we thank you for that. And God, we pray that you would be glorified today. We pray that you would speak through the power, the truth, the authority of your word. And Father, I pray also if there be one that is still dead in sin, that they would be regenerated by the Spirit. They would be made alive in Christ today through the gospel. So we trust you, Lord. We pray now that you would speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at verse 31 as we walk, walk through Mark chapter 7 here, verse 31. It says that Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and he went through uh, Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And so we read that and it's a lot of geography. But what you need to understand is Tyre was a basically a Gentile city uh, that was on the Mediterranean Sea. And when it says that he went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Decapolis. He almost makes like this arc. It's not a straight path. He makes this arc to go up to Sidon. Then he comes down to Decapolis, which means the place of ten cities. And all of these places were mainly of the Gentiles. If you go back in Mark chapter 7, we learned last time he had ministered the gospel to the Syrophoenician woman of her daughter that had been possessed by an unclean spirit and she need healing and 
how she said, Jesus, just the crumbs from the table. That's all that I need. And how Jesus recognized her faith and he loved on her and he ministered to her. We don't really have any record of what he did in Sidon. But when we think about the Bible, John 20, 30 through 31, you don't have to turn there. But it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so what we do know, even though we don't have all the details of what he was doing there inside, and we know that the gospel was going forth, that Jesus was loving and ministering to people. And another thing, with this being the second year of the public ministry of Jesus, he was spending extended time with the disciples. He was training them. He was equipping them. He was loving them. And so this long track of it ended up being, I think, 120 miles, there was a purpose. There was a reason. And so when we read kind of this geography in our Bibles, you need to understand these were real places. These were real people. And at this point, Jesus was becoming super popular. The crowds were gathering. Remember Decapolis, Mark chapter 5, the demon-possessed man that was living in the graveyard that nobody wanted to have anything to do with? Jesus goes there. He cast out the legion of demons. This man uh, gets saved, and Jesus tells him to be a missionary to the Decapolis, to that region. And I want you to turn to Matthew 15, because this is kind of the parallel passage to Mark 7. Just trying to set the context here. Turn to Matthew 15, 29 through 31. And this is really cool. As Jesus is back in this region, people have obviously heard about Jesus. doesn't necessarily mean they're all followers or believers in Christ. But that demon-possessed man had shared the good news. Look at Matthew 15, 29 through 31. It says, Jesus went on from there, and he walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain, and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet. And he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And look at what it says at the very end. And they glorified the God of Israel. You see, this region there by the Sea of Galilee, it was mainly a Gentile region, but they're seeing that... There, there is a God, the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel is real, he's true, and that Christ, his power, his authority, his love is being seen. So now go back to Mark chapter 7. Now that you kind of have the context, verse 32, it says, and they brought to him, so we've got these crowds now, they, we don't know, family, friends, again, it doesn't give us all the details, but they brought to him, to Jesus, a man who was deaf, and he had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And so 
Jesus is there. He's ministering. The crowds have gathered, and they bring this man to Jesus. Now, when it says he was deaf and had a speech impediment, that means he had some ability to try to talk. He just couldn't speak clearly. So he probably wasn't born deaf, but at some point, again, we don't have the details, he becomes deaf and he, he just doesn't have the ability to communicate, to articulate himself, to, to speak clearly. And I, and I want you to think about that. Think about how people are treated in our time, in our society. And you go back to the first century, probably would have been the same. He would have been seen as dumb. He probably would have been laughed at. He would have been ridiculed. He would have been made fun of. And let me pause right here. I've said this so many times from this pulpit, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important. May we be a church that loves people with disabilities. Amen? If we ever make fun of, use words, ridicule somebody with a disability, may we repent quickly. Because that is sin against God. When Pastor Tom was up here and he was talking about valuing life, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is made in the image of God. That's what gives them value. That's what gives them dignity. That's what gives them worth. And by the way, we're all dis disabled in some way. Because we live in a fallen world, okay? There was only one perfect one. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So may we never make fun of people with ha that have disabilities. I remember in high school, I I've struggled with my speech. And those are things that stick with you. They stick with you. I still think about that. Things that were said. Because I struggle with my words. And I see it sometimes with my kids. But you know what? If you trust the Lord, everybody listen to me. If you just trust the Lord, and you're faithful, and you're obedient to His Word, He will use you for His glory. Amen? Amen. Now, we see them bringing this man that was deaf and had this speech impediment. And look at what it says at the end of verse 32. They begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. Again, we don't know. Was it family? Was it friends? But what we do know is they cared and they loved for this man. They're, they're earnestly pleading, Jesus, you have the power to heal. You can make him whole. We're bringing him to you and we're begging that you would touch him. Now look at verse 33. Jesus does something very interesting. Does Jesus say, oh, yo, I'm too busy. I got to preach here. I got to go there. No, he doesn't say that at all. Look at verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, he touched his tongue. In the midst of all these people, this massive crowd, look at what it says. Jesus 
took the time to take this man away privately. That's the first truth I want you to see this morning. Jesus takes time to minister to people in need. Jesus takes time to minister to people in need. Hear me say this this morning. Jesus loves you. He knows your situation, and he cares about everything going on in your life. Pastor Jim read this passage. You don't have to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxieties, cast all of your worries, cast all of your cares upon Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. Did you know that this morning? Jesus cares for you. Now that word care, when you look it up in the Greek, it means to think about something in such a way as to respond. It's not just, okay, I recognize you got this going on. There is a response to the situations. Now, let's think about us as Christians as we represent Christ. Do we take time to minister to people that are in need? Do we share the compassion of Jesus with hurting humanity? I don't know if you've recognized lately as you go out and about, people are hurting, struggling. We live in a fallen, broken world. Do we have a heart to minister the love and truth of Jesus to people with disabilities and their families? Mark, I thought about you. You brought this up at one of our church conferences, and I think as a church, we should commit this to prayer. What would the Lord have us to do? What would a deaf ministry look like in the life of Everglades Baptist Church? We really haven't had that before. What would it look like for our services to include someone doing sign language while we're up here preaching? Right? I mean, if we, if we say that we have a heart for the least of these, we have a heart for every single person in the life of our community, these are things we have to wrestle with. These are things that we need to pray about. And that doesn't mean it's Pastor Jim's responsibility. It doesn't mean it's Pastor Doug's responsibility. It doesn't mean it's my responsibility. Yes, it is. But it is our responsibility as a body of believers to live out the gospel right here in Okeechobee. Amen? Something to think about. Now, not only did Jesus spend time with this man in need, look at the second truth this morning there in verse 33. He touched the man with disabilities. Sometimes maybe we struggle to touch people that are in need for whatever the reason may be. They're a stranger. We don't know them. I mean, you can fill in the blanks, right? It can be hard. But Jesus takes this man to the side and look at what he does. This man that had probably been ridiculed, it says that Jesus put his fingers into his ears. Why would Jesus do that? Well, he was letting this man know he recognized his problem. His problem was he was deaf. And so Jesus touches his ears. Because Jesus has the power to heal. And then it says, after spitting, so he probably spit on his hand, Jesus there, it touched his tongue. And I mean, I had to wrestle through that, Israel. 
what does that mean? <laughs> in that particular time and culture in the first century, this is what I found. The text doesn't clearly say, okay? So this is kind of just some historical background, may or may not be right. So let me say that on the front end. But in that time, it was seen that some people that were seen to have power to heal, their spit or their spittle was seen to have healing powers. And so Jesus touching his tongue, he's again recognizing the need of this man that he couldn't talk rightly, clearly. He had a speech impediment. He needed his tongue to be loosed. He needed to be able to hear and he needed to be able to speak clearly. I think we can safely say that from the text. So Jesus was willing to touch this man with disabilities. True compassion reaches out and touches people in their time of need. Let me say that again. True compassion reaches out and touches people in their time of need. I think for me, and now this is just an opinion, I think one of the most scary things of COVID is we are losing the personalness of life. We need personal touch in a right way, okay, in a godly way. God's created us for relationship, to be together, to enjoy fellowship, to have community, the love and truth of Christ being lived out. And I get it. There's wisdom that needs to be shown in that, okay? I'm just telling you. We can't lose that as a church family. We need God, first of all, but we need one another. We need to be ministered to. We need to be loved on. So here's application. Have we been reaching out to others, touching them in their misery? Have we been giving time to listen to the needs of others and then being a servant to meet those needs? You have to think about that. Are we really ministering the gospel to our community? Third truth. Look at verse 34. It says, And looking up to heaven, he sighed. The third truth this morning, Jesus takes the time to pray for others. Jesus takes the time to pray for others. It says he looked up to heaven. I could go to so many passages. We know that Jesus was always dependent upon the Father. He was all, always about the will of the Father. And he wanted this man to know that the healing that was about to occur was going to come from the Lord God Almighty. And so even though we don't have a prayer here recorded, I don't know if he verbally said anything or if it was just this look to the heavens, but what we do know is Jesus is recognizing his Father, his Heavenly Father. There's no substitute, guys, for prayer. When was the last time that you prayed for someone that was in need? 
We as Christians are constantly dependent upon God. Brother Bill, I thought about you. We talked about this passage. The Apostle Paul says we should pray without ceasing. We should constantly be in a spirit of prayer. That doesn't mean you have to get down on your hands and knees every time you pray. But all throughout our day, we should be praying. Israel, as you're working, praying, praising God, praying for co-workers, praying for your family, praying for your church family, right? That's our responsibility. So, could one of our greatest sins really be our lack of prayer? Could one of our sins be as a church our lack of prayer? Now, the fourth truth I want you to see this morning as Jesus ministers to this man, he had sympathy for people in need. Jesus had sympathy for people in need. Go back to verse 34. Not only does he look to the heavens, it says that he sighed. So I had to look that word up. The word sigh, it means to groan because of deep concern. Jesus knew everything about this man and he cared about his situation. Brother Andy, I don't know, there you are. We talked about this this morning about how Jesus, Jesus ministered to Judas Iscariot. It was a traitor, his enemy, but yet Jesus loved on him and cared for him for three straight years. This man in this passage, from what we know, he's not a believer. He's not a follower of Jesus, but he's a man in need, and Jesus has compassion for him. He has sympathy. He sighs. He's mourning. He's grieving over the condition of this man. And when we think about Roe versus Wade, I know it's already been discussed. Guys, we should praise God that he's answered our prayers. Amen? Over 60 million babies that were murdered over the last 50 years. That's, that's a heavy weight to think about that. And that now thousands of babies will have the opportunity. Life. But as we praise God for that, Pastor Jim, I appreciated your heart. There's still much work to be done. Guys, we have to be honest. We live in a broken, fallen world where there's sexual sin. There's abuse. There's other needs and circumstances. There's going to be little boys and little girls that are going to need to be loved on and cared for. And God has called his people, the church. Guys, we're the answer. We're God's plan to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the mouthpiece of Jesus. We need to love on people well. Maybe there's somebody that has had an abortion before. Guys, they're not the enemy. They're not unlovable. We, we love them and we care for them and we minister to them. In their hurt, and their need, and their grief. Right? These are all things. Yes, we praise God for what he's done, but we also continue to move forward with the love and truth of Christ, of showing sympathy for people. This is our responsibility. Let's move to the fifth truth this morning. Look at verse 34. It goes on to say, 
Jesus said unto him, Ephatha, if I'm saying that correctly. It's Aramaic, by the way. And here's what it means. The scripture defines it for us. It means to be opened. So the fifth truth this morning is Jesus is God and he does have the power to heal. Jesus is God and he has the power to heal. Basically what Jesus is saying there, now you may hear. Based on my power, based on my healing touch, you now have the power, the ability to hear. And look at verse 35. What does it say happens? His ears were opened. His tongue was released and he spoke plainly. When Jesus does something, Brother Bill, he does it perfectly. He does it rightly. And this man, his ears are open. I want you to think about that. For years, he never been able to hear and now he's able to hear everything. I mean, how amazing that would have been for him. And then not only that, his tongue was untied or it was released. And check out what it says. Don't miss this. He spoke plainly. So here was a man that was only able to kind of mumble, try to put some words, some articulation together. And now, after all these years, he speaks in a way that everybody can understand what he is saying. Guys, this is a miracle. This is a miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 36. Jesus now does something else interesting. He charges them, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And I mean, at first, you know, I'm reading that. You can't really blame the guy. I mean, here, here he is. He wasn't able to speak or hear, and now he's able to speak and hear. There, there, there would have been some excitement uh, in him that he, he wanted to express that, and he, he wanted to tell that, but yet... Jesus in his power, Jesus in his authority, he, he commands him, he charges him, don't say anything. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, why would, why would Jesus do that? Well, look at Mark chapter 8. We'll get to this. I won't spend a lot of time here because we'll, we'll get to this later. But look at Mark 8, 29 through 31. Jesus is not being mean or hateful here, okay? There, there's a reason why he tells this man, hey, let's not go out and be talking about me as the miracle worker. Mark 8, 29 through 31, Jesus is talking with the disciples and he's asking them, who do people say that I am? In verse 29, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter answers, and he answers correctly. You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Why would Jesus say that? Well, look at verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. You see, Jesus didn't come just to be a miracle worker. Jesus didn't come just to be an earthly leader, a celebrity, a popularity contest, to get rich. Jesus came to die. 
Jesus came for the cross. Jesus came to rescue his people from their sin. Jesus came for everything that Pastor Jim preached the last two weeks. God is holy. We're not. We're sinners against the holy God. We deserve God's wrath and judgment. And apart from Jesus, his perfect work, his perfect life, his perfect person, him taking our place, him substituting himself, taking the wrath of God upon himself for our sin, our sin being placed on him, God's wrath coming down on our sin, we would all spend eternity in hell rightly, justly, suffering God's wrath for our sin against him for eternity. But you see, Jesus came to die, to rescue his people from their sin. Go back to Matthew chapter 1. We read this a few weeks back. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Right from the very beginning, it talks about Jesus. It says about Mary, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will... By the way, nobody can stop Jesus from doing what he will do. He will save his people from their sins. That's the main reason that Jesus came. Yes, Jesus did heal this man. And he was able to experience that compassion and that love of Jesus. But the main reason that Jesus came was to die for the sin of his people and three days later to resurrect of his power over death, sin, hell, the grave. All right, let's move forward here. Let's wrap this up. Verse 37. So go back to Mark chapter 7. It goes on to say, and they, so the crowds there, they were astonished beyond measure. In today's vernacular, their minds were blown. They, they just couldn't, they couldn't understand it. They, there was so much excitement. There was so much fervor over what Jesus was doing. They are astonished beyond measure. And they say, look at what they say. He has done all things well. You see, when Jesus does something he does it well. Go all the way. You don't have to turn there, but think of the book of Genesis. God said, let there be light. And what was there? There was light. And it goes on through all six days of creation. And then the seventh day he rests. And it says at the end of each of those days, and it was good. And then at the end of the sixth day, it was very good. All God has to do is speak. He speaks things into existence. And that's what Jesus does here. He speaks touches this man, and he is made well. And it says there, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So here's some takeaways from today. Number one, Jesus is good, and he is compassionate. Remember that in your own life, and what does it look like for you as a Christian to represent him? Jesus is also God. He has all power. He has all authority. He is sovereign. We are to be submitted to him, just as he submitted to the Father perfectly. And then I want to camp out here just real quick. Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. He is the Savior of his people. There's one really cool thing I learned. In verse 32 there in Mark 7, there's a Greek word, mongilalos. If I'm saying that, Pastor Jim, there's my attempt at Greek. But that word is only used 
this one time in the New Testament. This account, all these details, is only found in the Gospel of Mark. It's not in the other Gospels. Matthew gives kind of the general description that we read. But there's this word, mogalalos, which is the word for speech impediment. The inability to speak clearly. So we have to ask ourselves, well, why would that word be used this one time in this context? Well, in the Old Testament, it is used, same word, one time. Turn to Isaiah chapter 35. And this is where you'll find it. Now, we know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but there was a Greek translation. The Septuagint and the Greek translation used this word. Isaiah 35 Verses 5 and 6. We don't have time to read all of Isaiah 35, but it really is about the messianic kingdom, the ushering in of the kingdom of God. So by the way, when Jesus comes, the kingdom is now here. Okay, we, don't, we don't have the full consummation of it yet, but the kingdom of God is here. And look at what it says about the kingdom of God in Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened... And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Huh. This is a prophecy about the kingdom of God to come, about Jesus. And then look at verse 6. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. And here it is. Here's that word, mongilalos. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Jesus was the fulfillment of that passage. So God's making that clear through the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is the Messiah. So here's my challenge to you guys. Do you truly understand today who Jesus is? That he is the Messiah, the Savior, Lord, the Rescuer? Have you repented of your sin? And trusted in Christ alone to save you? He's the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through Him. That's what Jesus says. So based on His authority, if you're not in Christ, you don't have forgiveness, you don't have new life, you don't have eternal life, and the judgment of God rests upon you. But today, you can be saved by looking to Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we've had to be in your word. Thank you for kind of this snapshot of the ministry of Jesus, of just how he lovingly, compassionately ministered to this man in need. And Jesus, how we're able to see how amazing, how wonderful you are. And we've only taken 30 minutes today to unpack a little bit. Just really scratching the sur surface, Jesus, of who you are. May we be men, women, boys, and girls of the book, of your word. May we love your word. Jesus, may we submit all areas of our life to you. And Jesus, would you help us this week? The same sympathy, the same compassion, the same care that you had. God, may we have that towards one another and to the people in our lives. God, please help us to not be hateful, to not be critical, to not be judgmental. It's not about winning an argument. It's just about truth and love being lived out. 
God, be, help us to be a church that cares and loves and lives out the truth of the gospel. And we ask these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen. Well, let's all stand and let's worship our Lord through song. <laughs>